The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Fluidity is the word of the day. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, deep minds, and deep space. 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 I love the space. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we've got a lot of tech news to catch up on from the past two weeks, and I have a hopefully helpful hint about preserving your family history through audio and video interviews. Ooh, I like it. But first, um, I, we got some news, but you have something to say first, I, Yes, you? I do. I have to make a statement, just a blanket statement. This is a Kaiser statement. Kaiser statement. Incoming. Jody Whitaker is the best doctor ever. End of argument. Period. All right. You have okay. definitively laid it down. I have laid it down. Gauntlet the whole nine yards. The 13th doctor is the one 13th for you. 13th doctor. Best ever. I could watch her be the doctor for the rest of my life. She is quite charming. She is great. She's Absolutely fantastic. She's got humor, sensitivity, pathos, she's got it all. brains. She's got it all. And she's tough. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. There's a little bit of that darkness still there. Yeah. And she dips into that every once in a while. And I love, I haven't seen the entire season because I'm going to binge watch the last couple of episodes. But I love how she can get really dark and then in a very wonderfully comic way, she'll turn to her sidekicks there. Yes, and say, all was three that, of them. Yeah. Was that, was that too much? Was that, you know, I love that. I absolutely love that. Best Doctor Who season in a very long time. And some great episodes. The the Rosa Parks episode, you and I talked about that. That was a fantastic episode. You know, it's one of those things where you go, okay, they're going to do a history one and it's, you know, it's going to be cheesy. No. Uh-uh. There was no cheese. This was cheese-less. Yeah, no, there was some very heartfelt acting there. The writing was great. I love the one... It's a horrible topic, but the partition of India, I oh think they God, brought that, that out and made it accessible to people who had no mm-hmm. idea that this had happened. And, you know, and I think the anniversary of partition was just last year. And so, you know, and it's still in living memory yep. for a lot of people, oh, but yeah. they kind of brought that to people who maybe didn't know as much. Cried like a baby. Yeah. I don't think I've ever bawled through a Doctor Who episode. Really? It's the first time. Wow. I mean, I mean, because it's Doctor Who, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's going to be some cheesy robot going to come out. No, I was literally... Crying tears in that episode. Great television. And that brings up another point. Yes. The thing that's really fascinating to me this season, and it's exactly what happens with good sci-fi, is of all shows, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, you're a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. I mean, I know it's a goofy show. Mm -hmm. And Supergirl and all these shows, they're using science fiction. The classic way to use science fiction, Star Trek, the original a series used to do the same thing. They're addressing some really difficult topics, social topics, in a, in a way that they couldn't necessarily do in a, if it was a generic TV oh, yes. drama. Yeah, and I've been watching the Supergirl, the allegory of yes. the, um, the anti-alien movement. Absolutely. I mean, that's pretty like, hey, you know, you look at it and then you realize, oh, I see what they're doing there. And yeah, it's a little ham-handed sometimes, but it's a show that's, it has to be because, yeah. you know. You have to make it obvious. And and right. again, this is a technique, back to your point, that has yeah. been going on since, you know, in science fiction forever. Wonderfully so. well done. Wonderfully well done. And I mean, I hope, I hope people take notice that that's, that's the way you do it. Yeah. That's the way you do it. So, 
And obviously, Doctor Who is doing the same thing. So. Yes. And um, are you going to be able to wait till 2020 when she comes back? I thought, I, you know what? I miss the old days when they used to crank out 5,500 episodes of a TV show. Yeah. Although the Brits never did that. Yeah, they the were Brits always are always about, like, yeah. this is your limited edition set yeah, of eight episodes, and you right. must savor them for two years. And before you're going to like it. Yes. And then they give you another four of them. But usually they give you some pretty good writing. Yeah, they give us some. Well, there's going to be the uh, New Year's Day or the new Who Day special. Yes, that's right. It's not a Christmas episode. It's going to be on New Year's Day. Yeah, that's right. And so you've got that. And then Orville and Discovery uh, come back. So so you've got some science fiction for January. That's it. And you're going to go see the Aquaman movie? I don't think so. I mean, it's getting great. It's already done bang up box office in China. Yeah, they love it over there. And it it opened way before, I think, I don't think it's opening here till the 21st, but. The previews have gotten some people turning their head. I mean, I was like, oh, Aquaman. Yeah. But I think the, the guy in the lead is um, charismatic enough to maybe oh, yeah. carry the fish head. Dude's like role. ridiculously handsome and buff. Yeah. And, you know, I think he was probably the best thing of the Justice League movie. Him and Gal Gadot, maybe. Yes, Gal yeah. Well, please. Yeah, I mean, well, she's a given. Nothing. I mean, she should just be the default. She but. should just be in everything. Yeah. She should be in everything. Yeah. That's what I said. She was great in the Ralph, the Wreck-It Ralph movie. Uh-huh. I didn't even realize it was her, but I'm, I'm thinking, wow, the voice, whoever's doing the voice of that racer uh, woman is great. And it's Gal Gadot. Yeah, well, she had all those Fast and Furious things, didn't she? Yes, before? that's true. So, that's uh, very true. Harkening back to her early days. Yes. Um, all right. Well, uh, enjoy the rest of the Doctor Who's and oh. the New Year's Day special. And I hope she goes past the three-year limit. Yeah. Well, I she really says do. she's coming back for another one. But Good. beyond that, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Three. Come on. Maybe with all these Four breaks years. in between. Because I think Maybe? It, if they do the episodes more or the seasons more spaced out, it gives the actor more creative time to do longer projects. So maybe they stick around the role longer. Yeah, you know you know how Hollywood works. That's yeah. a great one. I like yeah. that Well, point. here's hoping. Yes. All right, so we do some news. I think we should. Because we haven't done news in, yeah. in a while. Well, nothing's happened. <laughs> you know, a little of this, a little of that, a little like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so, uh, well, the New York Times. We, I know We're them. familiar with that. Yes. I uh, just came out with a story that shows uh, just how much your physical location is being tracked by the apps on your phone. You see? Yes. You see? You ha- and you laugh. Not you, but people laugh about my aluminum foil hats. Yes, they're watching you. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, data reviewed by The Times shows over uh, 235 million locations captured for more than 12 million uh, unique devices, you know, phones, tablets, whatever, during a three-day period in 2017. And the reporters looking at that could pick out the travels uh, in an individual user's day, just sort of piece together what they were doing. If they had a particularly unique kind of day, like if they were a teacher or a firefighter or something and they were at certain places at certain times, you could probably figure out, even though it's anonymous data, who those people were based on the location and their travels. Uh, As the story noted, one path tracks someone from a home outside Newark to a nearby Planned Parenthood remaining there for more than an hour. Another represents a person who travels with the mayor of New York during the day and returns to Long Island at night. The Times story also explored how these phone apps gathered location information, which was then sold without the user's knowledge uh, to other companies. As described in the story, at least 75 companies receive anonymous precise location data from apps uh, whose users enable the location services to get local news and weather and other information that you mm-hmm. usually think, think, and so-and-so use your location and say, yeah, whatever, I need the weather. A little do you know that uh, you've just opened the barn door there. The Weather Channel app was among those mentioned as uh, collecting all of this stuff. 
if this kind of thing skeeves you, and I imagine it does, uh, definitely some of you, me. yes, you know, check the privacy settings, uh, revoke location permissions oh, for yeah. certain apps, maybe yep. just disable the phone's location services uh, if you are not using it actively. Yeah, and then you, you be prepared to deal with the phone yelling at you every ten seconds. Yeah, like I need this, I need this, yes. and some apps may not work right because right. they are all built upon the foundation of knowing where you're at. Right. But this is the trade-off these days. Hey. I've been yelling about this for a while. I know you have been very persistent. And everyone, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Yes. And now you're going to have a mighty swig of I am going to have a mighty swig there. of my fizzy beverage. Thank you. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, back in October, Facebook's community standards team announced changes to the company's sexual solicitation policy, announcing that it draws the line when user poster content, uh, quote, facilitates, encourages, or coordinates sexual encounters between adults. Facebook also said... We restrict sexually explicit language that may lead to solicitation because some audiences within our global community may be sensitive to this type of content and it may impede the ability for people to connect with their friends in the broader community, end quote. So they did this back in October. Mm -hmm. And as with many cases, nobody reads the fine print for a while. And maybe this was because of other recent things that have happened in the tech world. But now that it's mid-December, some Facebook users have noticed that update and are expressing concern that the crackdown bans sexual slang, pickup lines, suggestive statements, and other forms of banter used by adults. The Electronic Frontier Foundation has also weighed in in an essay called, uh, quote, Facebook's sexual solicitation policy is a honeypot for trolls, end quote. Uh, that's the title of the essay. And uh, notes that these sorts of bans and kind of censorshipy sort of things uh, do tend to bring the wretched hive of scum and villainy uh, out of the woodwork <laughs> because they take fun in defying such orders. Of course. So, uh, yes. so we will see what happens that now. Uh, but you know what? It's not Tinder, folks. It's yeah. Facebook. It's Facebook. And, you know, if you want to get busy, there are apps for that. Yeah, and and understand. I think there's concern. Well, Facebook has its messenger program. Can I not do the naughty, naughty talk on the messenger if it's just a private thing? But all of this, uh, because this happened in October, I don't know if this was keyed uh, because uh, just a few weeks ago, Tumblr, you remember Tumblr, yeah. the visual blogging tool purchased by Yahoo, which was in turn purchased by Verizon. Mm-hmm. And Oath. Yes, it's still out there. Uh, if you do remember Tumblr or still use it, uh, that site announced that it permanently planned to ban all adult content from its platform right. as of December 17th, uh, which is fast approaching. So I don't know if... Tumblr's announcement made people say, hey, wait a minute, Facebook had something about that, and they went back to read it, or what happened? But the Tumblr announcement read in part, we've realized that in order to continue to fulfill our promise and place in culture, especially as it evolves, we must change. Some of that change began with fostering more constructive dialogue among our community members. Today, we're taking another step by no longer allowing adult content, including explicit sexual content and nudity, with some exceptions, you know, like art and and medicine and stuff. So, yeah, but so who makes the decision um, about well, what's art and what's not? That's, yeah, it's you opening up another honeypot. There. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be algorithmically. But so Tumblr's saying no porn. A lot of no Tumblr, bits. yeah, a lot of Tumblr blogs are porn. Yes, so yeah. so they're uh, well a significant portion. Are. Yes, so there goes that platform. As yeah. The Verge and other sites noted. Uh, the announcement was made a few days after Tumblr was removed from Apple's iOS App Store over a child pornography, child pornography incident. Right. And while explicit adult content is banned, there are the exceptions to the policy they mentioned, including uh, new classical statues, political protests that feature nudity, uh, breastfeeding images, and text-based erotica. Okay. Because some people like the words. Yeah. Um, yep. 
But uh, after December 17th, any explicit posts will be flagged and deleted by algorithms. Uh, Algorithms are already flagging accounts with adult content postings uh, to say the material will soon be hidden from view. Mm. Users have a chance to appeal Tumblr's decision in uh, situations where they think there's been a mistake. But again, you're you're fighting the, uh, the corporate powers that be there. A very long time ago, we had a Tumblr page. Really? I, I don't think you even remember. I, I, it's been a while. It's been a while. I, I, it's probably out there somewhere. Yeah. Orphan yeah. Little Tumblr. Did we have Orphan. any porn on it? <laughs> no, we did not. All right. So we're safe. We're safe. Yes. Yes. All so right. It'll still be there. All right. <laughs> we, should, we should find it someday. Just I say, think hey. we should. They might have deleted it because yeah. there, there's been no activity on there. But it was a little rusty. Yeah, just a little bit. Now, speaking of algorithms, Google's DeepMind artificial intelligence engine is making strides in scientific discovery. Nice. Now, remember uh, back in the day, a lot of the big grid computing projects that would get a whole bunch of computers lashed together to, mm-hmm. to crunch big numbers? Yes. Remember how they always working on protein folding projects? It was always folding, yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, it's all about the protein folding um, because uh, the protein folding projects help synthesize new drugs to fight diseases and things. So it's a very oh, useful bit you. of information, but it takes a lot of computing power to do that. I like creases too, so. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you're, you're Fold pro- away. Yes, uh, so creased proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, now, DeepMind's team came up with the AlphaFold system, which uses its neural network power to more accurately predict a protein structure which then accelerates the development of uh, the folding stuff and all those new disease-fighting drugs uh, get along faster. So, Oh, interesting. So yay, deep mind. Yes. Uh, please don't become sentient. But Do you remember when they used to strap together all the PS3s? Oh, yeah. All that stuff? It's like, yeah, see, that's that's computing. Yes. That's real computing. That's your proper grid computing there. Yes. A whole grid of machines. Oh, yeah, a whole grid of gaming machines. Yes, heating the entire building. <laughs> You know the climate that the ozone was devastated by that. Yes, yeah. you know, that's well, a, a lot story. of heat coming off oh, those. Yeah. But uh, but Matt Prosser, Deep Mind, please help yes. save humanity from itself. Yes, please. Yes, uh, Microsoft. Um, moving to them, they've thrown in the towel on the Edge HTML engine, uh, powering the Edge browser. I don't know. They if had anyone, a browser. Yeah, they had uh, this Windows 10 thing. Oh, that was, was this Edge browser. I, that I, was mean. I'm sorry. It was not the most popular girl in school. Yeah, no, it was not. Yeah, definitely not. So, so Microsoft's like, all right, uh, that's enough of that Edge HTML engine. They are going to rebuild the Edge browser with the open source Chromium software. Chromium. Chromium. Uh, the move to Chromium, which powers Google Chrome and several other browsers. Should make websites render more consistently, which was a problem with Edge. It um, was. And it may also slow down Microsoft's decrease in the browser market share, which was kind of plummeting. And people were like, you know, not doing Edge. Yeah. And they moved on to either Chrome or Firefox. So they're switching to Chromium, and then Edge is going to, I guess, have versions for Windows 7, Windows 8, and the Mac, because Microsoft's trying to maybe get back to where they were with the Mm. Internet Explorer back in the day. Hey, was I I hallucinating, but was there an announcement at one point that Microsoft was now a trillion-dollar company? You were not hallucinating. They are. Um, Wow. they, they, They kind of like... Clipped Apple on the rail, because Apple's been having some problems, uh, which we will talk about. What is this, 1998? Yeah, it's it's the back this and is, forth. Yes, I mean, this is weird. There's there's many more billions of dollars in play now. Yeah, but uh, wow. but Apple has uh, had had some problems. Um, as we know, the iPhone business uh, had sort of suffered a slowdown uh, this year, and the, you know they cut some of the components yeah, and things. Um, absolutely. 
And uh, But they're also having other problems uh, in Asia after a Chinese court banned the sale of several iPhone models over infringements of two Qualcomm patents. Whoa, so I this, didn't know that. Yes, this just happened uh, recently. The preliminary injunction issued by the court prevents the import of the iPhone 6S, 6S Plus, 7, 7 Plus, iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and the iPhone 10 in China. That's a lot of the... That's uh, a lot of phones. The, the previous generation models. Yeah. Um, so it prevents them from being sold there. It does not stop the manufacture or export of the phones. Okay. But it kind of kills the Chinese domestic market there for, uh, for yeah. a lot of the iPhone models there. Yeah, it kind of blows it right up, actually. Yeah, and I guess this Apple-Qualcomm slap fight has been going on mm. for quite a while, yes, and there's a trial uh, set up for April. But Where? San Francisco's ninth district. I don't know if it's gonna be there in China, oh, but it's um, man. yeah, probably in China though. If, if this I is the court, all that, of these were in San Francisco. Eventually, it'll come back no, there, come I'm back. sure. Okay. But the, this is uh, sort of uh, another thing that Apple's got to deal with. Um, so, in addition to the phone sales going down, they've got that to deal with. But Ming Chi Kuo, though the industry analyst with a knack for predicting Apple's new releases, says the company does have a few things it's going to update. Really, including the AirPod wireless earbuds. Uh, they're going to do that the first quarter of 2019, uh, and the new version will offer wireless charging. They put on little charging pads, like woo. Um, <sighs> I know you're you're not a fan what? of the wireless but no, earbuds. No, no, anyway. it's not even that. It's like it's what I've been screaming about on this show forever. Boring like, updates. Boring updates. Innovate. Yeah. Take a chance, Apple. Yeah. Well, wow. That's what they used to do. Am I wrong? Yeah. This is what they used to do. They, they used, used to, to have much bigger leaps. Yeah, they used to do all sorts of crazy stuff. Yes. Sometimes it failed. Yeah. Sometimes it didn't. But I guess there's too much money now. Yeah. I, but I guess the the AirPods, uh, despite being primarily made of glue, um, they're very popular. They are hugely popular. It's one of Apple's most popular products, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they're so they're going to move to the wireless charging in 2019. But they're also looking down the road for a full revamp in 2020 of these things. Really, uh, more glue? Probably more glue. Maybe better, faster, stronger glue. Um, Still not going to buy them. Yeah, no. You you were a man who likes the wires. I do. But I also remembered in 2020, maybe, uh, possibly an iPhone that works on the new high-speed 5G cellular networks. Bloomberg reported the story that Apple didn't respond to requests for comment on. So, of course, you know, they, they never do. But they do have a pattern of waiting until networks are decently established yes, until they, they throw out their phone. You can't blame them, though, honestly. Yeah, it, you can't blame them for that. Yeah, it's unpredictable technology. It's still being implemented. I think only a few cities have it, and they haven't really had the nationwide rollout yet. Correct. Samsung and Verizon are already planning 5G hardware for the first half of 2019, though. So if Apple sits around too long uh, and people decide that they really just have to have these these hot new speeds— that could also cause uh, fewer iPhone sales. Yeah, I, I, I would say logically, yes. But remember, the same thing happened with when they went to 4G. Yeah. There was an, if I remember correctly, there was a 3, they stuck with a 3G. Yeah. Even though 4G was still, and then, yeah, then they, they jumped the, into they the fray. So. And believe me, Apple didn't lose anything. Yeah. But back to your point about mm-hmm. the valuation, though, they probably don't want to wait around too long uh, right. for that 5G hardware. Right. Because the Android phones are just going to eat its lunch, and they did get knocked off the purchase of the most valuable company uh, at the end of November by Microsoft. And despite the fact uh, that Windows 10 automatic updates drive people to curse and drink, Bill Gates' <coughs> old company 
has found solid business in cloud computing, office software, and the Xbox game platform. So that's what lifted Microsoft up. Yeah. Um, they're also said to be developing a new Windows Lite program uh, to compete with the Google Chrome OS. Yeah, okay. It's not is this going to be like Windows RT revived? Yeah, of course. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, so, so we'll see. Remember that when the whole net neutrality rules and they said, oh, we got all these comments that hated it and what, what we're going to repeal. What is this net neutrality you speak of? Oh, it's, it's a long time long ago. A long time ago, yeah. Yes, there weren't tears for service yes. and, and things couldn't yeah. get blocked. That was so much um, fun. Yeah, well, the, the Federal Communications Commission, when they were deciding to get rid of net neutrality yeah. or, you know, have a vote on it, they did the public comments uh, mm-hmm. session, which everyone uh, does, you know, to get yeah. public input and on the apparently vote. millions of people thought it was a bad idea to have net neutrality. Yeah, well, they're finding out that many of those millions of posts uh, were made perhaps uh, not in the most legitimate <gasps> way. Do you, are you uh, shocking? Yes. You I know, am gobsmacked. Bots and trolls. Uh, BuzzFeed <laughs> News recently reported that the DOJ has delivered subpoenas to at least two organizations after people's identities were posted without their permission. FCC Chairman Ajit Pai has previously confirmed that half a million comments were from Russian email addresses during the public comment period. Uh, And as we've mentioned in the past on this show before, uh, the New York Attorney General's office has already begun an investigation into just where those comments came from. Mm -hmm. But they're saying this is the first time the Justice Department is getting involved in checking it out. So we've gone from state to maybe the feds are going to look at this. Okay. Well, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really holding out my breath that they'll reverse no. the decision, but at least there is some scrutiny here. Yeah, and I think people are starting to realize what this all means and how much of how much damage has been done. So that yeah, maybe it takes a while for people to wake up sometimes. Yeah, when when they realize that their things yeah. have changed. Look at the Brexit thing. Yeah, which yeah. is just going swimmingly over oh, there. Oh yeah, of course, it's going yes. smoothly. Yeah, I think the wheels fell off that <laughs> train in the station. But. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of travel, yes. Google has acquired Sigmoid Labs, a startup company based in India that makes the Where Is My Train app. Um, and this deal is said to be worth 30 to $40 million. Now, as it is used in India, Where Is My Train helps users track trains and learn uh, the train routes all without needing a data connection. The app uses cell tower information to locate the trains and then uh, uses it to download timetables from the Indian railway company to create the routes. Now, uh, if Google is getting this and implementing it, you know, mm-hmm. they've, they've put a lot of money into like oh, yeah. uh, transit and track and they bought Waze and all yes, that. Yes, indeed. I would just say to Google, if you make a version of that app for New Yorkers dealing with the Metropolitan Transit Authority, okay. we expect it to be called Where the F is My Train. <laughs> yes! Thank you! I was thinking the same thing. Uh, we're, we're sharing the, the same, same brain. Wavelength. Yes. Yeah, so, so let's wait and see what becomes of that. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, the European Union, though, continues to get up into Google's business for antitrust issues. They don't mess around about privacy. No, according to Reuters, EU officials have been sending questionnaires to Google's rivals in the search business to see if uh, the Google search engine has been suppressing competition in local searches. I'm sure the rivals will have something to say. Google's advertising units are also said to be under investigation, and I think Yelp is one competitor that feels that Google is squashing the competition and has asked regulators uh, to look into the matter because they both do the the establishment reviews Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So so Yelp is feeling like uh, Google's uh, really throwing the hard elbow there. Really, a giant international conglomerate squashing competition. Come on, you, be, you you never see that. I know, it's it's you an untold story. Yes, yes, it's an untold story. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yes. Um, now, it's been a while, uh, speaking of stories, uh, mm-hmm. we've had, it's been a while since we've had reports of a giant database breach. Um, <laughs> but, and this is a couple of weeks old because we've been away. I was just going to say. But, but here we go again. Yes. Um, now, it's not Yahoo again this time, but the Marriott International Hotel chain, uh, which admitted recently that 
Unauthorized parties had copied and encrypted information belonging to about 500 million customers on its Starwood reservation systems. Please. Half a billion. Yeah. Half a billion. 500 million people had their information compromised. Yes. (laughs) And, And kind of big chunks of information, too. Home addresses, phone numbers, birth dates, credit card information, and passport numbers are among the uh, personal data chunks uh, potentially hoovered up in the hack. According to cybersecurity watchers, though, the Marriott Starwood's data has not shown up for sale yet on the dark web, leading the professionals to think the hack was probably a state-sponsored activity that was collecting information for intelligence purposes. Uh, You may be affected if you made reservations on the Marriott-owned Starwood Hotel brands from 2014 to September 2018. Uh, the properties include the Sheraton, Weston, W Hotel, St. Regis, Four Points, Aloft, Le Meridian, uh, Tribute, Design Hotels, Element, and the Luxury Collection. I can't afford to stay in any of those. Yeah. Other Marriott-owned hotels, including the Residence Inn and the Ritz-Carlton, operate on a separate reservation system, so hopefully that was not impacted. Budget Inn, was that affected? Uh, I, I, I think budget, yeah, I think those were okay. I think Super Eight was okay. Super Eight, okay, yeah. good. That's what that's what I can afford. Yeah, you probably got other problems if you stay, yes, but but yes. uh, not part of this hotel reservation Ooh, system. Good, good. All right. So uh, now everyone's got to have a streaming service, and AT and T may even be selling its stake in one streamer to focus on another. Really. As revealed in a recent analyst presentation, the company may uh, be considering the sale of its ten percent chunk of Hulu. AT&T, which completed its acquisition of Time Warner, Inc. this summer, and even though there's some back and forth with the government on the finality of that, uh, they now have a bunch of Warner Media content, and it's said to be planning a new streaming video product with three tiers of service, uh, all various levels of Warner Media. Not one, not two, but three. Yes, three service packages. There you go. Uh, all by the end of 2019. Now, so this is Warner. Yeah. Well, right. this is AT and T getting AT&T all the Warner getting, Brothers stuff. Getting yeah. all the Warner Brothers stuff, and they're going to come out with a thing. Now, Disney's got one coming in the back end. Yeah. Netflix. Really, if I can just, since we're talking streaming, can I just say how disappointed I am in Netflix really? for not for canceling not only Iron Fist because that was like, oh a, yeah, yeah, Luke Cage. Luke Cage was a good show. Yeah. And Daredevil. I know. What's, is Jessica Jones there, the only one that's left? Jessica Jones and The Punisher. But I think from what I, from the from the stuff that I've been reading, I think they're only left because they still had one in the can. They uh-huh. still had a season. They have seasons in the can. Yeah. But they're gone after these things get unspooled. Oh, man. Jessica Darede- Jones is the best thing. Yeah, but Daredevil was their most popular show. Ooh. So... Stay, I think it, this has more to do with Marvel yeah. and with And Marvel Disney. being a Disney property. Yeah, and then Disney's coming on with their own on-demand thing, so I'm just so disappointed. Yeah, no, so it was, uh, because they were really, those were the ones that really, like, put Netflix on the map for Correct. younger, you know, people who didn't want to yep. watch House of Cards or Orange is the New Black. Like, yes, these indeed. were an excellent adaptation of Marvel properties. Daredevil specifically. Yeah, and I they mean, all these jobs in the New York City area for filming. Yeah, come on, people. Yeah. Oh, Netflix. Bummer. Maybe it's not your fault, but still. Disappointed. Yeah, totally very disappointed. disappointed. Now, um, all right, well, let's, uh, I just have a few more news items here, and then Go we'll uh, roll on. Now, we're all used to e-ink technology uh, for black and white book readers, but now digital paper is getting some mm-hmm. attention. Yep. The Just Write technology developed by e-ink holdings uh, is said to provide a writing experience that feels natural, uses minimal power, and has no lag time from stylus to screen. Yep. So you've got your uh, e-ink and you've got your paper app here. 
This could appeal to artists who don't like drawing on iPads or other tablets where you do get that little bit of lag and also no paper cuts. No paper cuts. Yeah, that's something there. I hate paper cuts. I know. And especially if it's like an inconvenient joint. What about a cardboard cut? Ooh. Deep slice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and those are are much more frequency this time of year when people are wrapping things and gift boxes. Don't remind me. Yes. 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 It's that that time. Surgical gloves for you. Yeah, where that supposed fat guy comes down my chimney. I don't even have a chimney. Yeah. He gets in somehow, though. He does. Now, the United States Army is stepping up its recruitment efforts with a new initiative called Army Esports. The project began its rollout in September, and it's uh, supposed to appeal to active and reserve soldiers who are high-level gamers. Uh, and how it intrigues them is by sending them to esports competitions around the country. I mean, we've known that the, the, the Army's yeah, had, like, yeah, they have. games. And, like, the Air Force, the Cyber Command, people using drones, you know, with the joysticks mm-hmm. and all that. There is a lot of overlap between video games and some of the modern technology. Uh, the Army fell 6,500 spots short of its recruiting goals this year, uh, partly thanks to a healthy civilian job market. And a, and a 15-year war? But that's and, I, yeah, oh, yeah, well, long, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The, you know, kind of— I don't want to get political. Long sorry. war there. Yeah. But as the Kotaku gaming site notes, 85% of the Army is made up of men who are also likelier to be gamers— and of those enlisted, two-thirds are between 18 and 29, which is the prime gaming demographic. Yeah. So uh, they're trying to position the Army as a game-friendly environment and institution to reach people that the Army wants to reach and say, hey, why don't you mm-hmm. join the Army? Um, so they're going to try to make video games, I guess, as sort of a camaraderie thing. Come on. I fixed this. I got this. Give all the new recruits an Xbox. That's it. Oh, Boom. That'll be fixed. It's a training module, and and since yeah. the 80s, the Army has actually used tank shooters and other yes, war have. games as training and recruitment tools, so this I is just kind of moving it up into the eSports. I think there's right. going to be a Twitch channel. They're they're going uh, with the modern world there. Wow. I don't know if you remember way back when, there was actually a, a, a game, which was a U.S. Army first-person shooter, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, that was yeah. hugely popular. It was free. Yeah. And it was a giveaway from... Yeah. The military to try to entice people to go into the uh, armed services. So wow. They've been at this stance before. I know. I, 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 I got recruited heavily in, in uh, oh, high school because I was a military brat, and they were like, hey, here's some free tube socks. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. tube socks. Yeah, yeah. They, got, they got my son. He's eight. Uh-huh. They gave him a little water bottle. Now he wants to be a soldier. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. Well, not for— uh, Not know. for Boom Boom. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Army and the games. Um, I'm going to Canada. That's what I'm really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had a flashback. Sorry really, just, yeah. Oof. Well, the donuts are good up there. <laughs> and finally. And finally. While we're enjoying all those nice color pictures and wind recordings sent back uh, by the Mars InSight lander in the early days of its mission, it's time to wish the Voyager 2 a fond farewell as it departs the solar system. Mm. Now, the Voyager 2 probe, which was launched from Earth in 1977, the same year Star Wars came out, became the second human-made object to leave our solar system this past November 5th, following its twin Voyager 1 out of town. Now, uh, for those who don't remember them, the primary mission of both the Voyager probes was to survey the planets Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Yep. Which they got that job done in 1989, oh, yeah, and then they, they just done. kept on going. And it was so, floating around there. Yeah, so they have just been heading Lazy deeper and deeper into East space. So Lazy deep explorers. They got their work done early, they and did. they, you know, they yeah. decided to go do a little of— uh, little, little me time. Yeah, you know, the, mm-hmm. like the Google has the 20% free time. That's yeah, right. they're just, you know, doing their own thing there out there. Go. There you go. 
So uh, that's been a long look at the news of the past couple of weeks. Good. For let's any- go to Timmy's. Yes. <laughs> let's, get, let's get some donuts. <laughs> and some coffee. Yes. Um, for anyone out there who wants to know more about all the things we jibber-jabbered about here in this segment, you can find it at... PompTakeJam.com. Sponsored by the Army. Well, it's that holiday season again. We're firmly in between the period of Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and all of the end of the year winter holidays. My jeans are fitting tighter. Yeah, it it, it happens. Uh, But this is the time of year when families come together for at least one of the holidays. uh, Usually, family brawls. Some of that too depends on uh, you know what's served. There you go. But uh, a lot of family time, a lot of perhaps multiple generations all together in one room. This is true. And if you're thinking there, uh, thinking, well, we have all these people, and like, you know how the the elder generation always has their stories, and they, they got it, and a lot of times the family stories are repeated each time, or sometimes they'll just bring in new information. It's like, yeah. oh, I didn't know that about our family. Yes, this is the perfect time if you were so inclined to make an audiovisual digital family archive. Oh, that's of a your, great idea, family, because everyone's together. You can do this with a very cheap equipment and a free or inexpensive software, and it's not all that hard. Basically, you are recording the oral history of your family and how this is different from, you know, like digitizing the pictures or whatever because you've actually got the chance to see them on video. You can hear their voices. Great idea. You capture the the person there. Some people may be a little nervous about talking, but there's ways to get around that. And so this is a little hopefully helpful hint about doing the Digital Family Archive so uh, for starters, uh, prepare your questions. Um, some people want to, you know, just freestyle, free but there are a number of oral history sites that have questions about how you, you know, should ask the family. Yeah, yeah, Specifically, yeah. well, like, what was your earliest memory? What was your favorite song as a kid? You know, really like casual interview type stuff. So um, there's some sites there. Genealogy sites are always really good. StoryCorps has some stuff. StoryCorps, uh, yeah. That app. So there are uh, things you can do if you don't have any idea what to ask these people. So uh, go there to get some suggestions. Secondly, uh, once you sort of get your questions set up, if you decide you want to go on the video route, because mm-hmm. um, it's very easy to record video on a smartphone. Of course. Um, just uh, get your questions together. And uh, one tip, maybe you want to use a tripod or something to steady the camera. That is a great you idea. You can also set it up behind you so... You're not standing there holding the camera in somebody's face, and you don't get the shaky cam thing either. And it's very distracting. Shaky yeah. cam is very distracting, especially when it's something like this. Which yeah, is, where it's a talking head yeah. thing. And yeah, there's stabilizers, but it's not going to totally stabilize the thing. Tabletop tripods, 25 bucks or less uh, mm-hmm. if you want one, or you can maybe balance the phone against something. If you're really serious about sound quality, as I imagine Casa Rosado is, yes. um, an external microphone can improve the uh, audio for your interview experience. Those small clip-on lapel mics, also called lavalier mics. Um, Those are nice. That jack into your smartphone are one way to do it. And yeah, they're inexpensive options, too. You do, for, for the lavalier mics, you yeah. don't want to spend thousands of dollars. You can get very decent quality for less than $100. So. Yeah. So there's stuff, uh, the Boya BYM-1, mm-hmm. Rode SmartLav Plus. That's a great microphone right Yes, there. You, you, you know that one well. I use it all the time. All right. This has the Kaiser seal of approval. It does indeed. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, if you're doing video, stabilize the camera and get a good mic. If the relative is maybe a little shy, I don't want to be on camera. I yeah, don't look good. My hair's on. You get that a lot. Yeah. Audio. I mean, Alan Lomax, you know, pioneer of the field recording. Mm -hmm. He was out doing music, but you could also just sit with a recorder 
and talk to your relatives and make it be much less intrusive. Uh, You know what? Not because I do this for a living, but if you really want to get the real story, you might want to consider doing both because once the camera is rolling, people have this tendency to perform because they know they're on camera. But if you're rolling a tape or if there's a microphone, even now while we're talking, it's easy for me to ignore the fact that there's a microphone in front of my face. Yeah. So you get a more natural conversation, you get a more natural dialogue going, and you get more and interesting stories because it's a more comfortable vibe. So yeah, it's like, audio is the way to go. Yeah, and and plus the files are smaller than video, so they are when smaller. you get around to sharing these files, sure. uh, which we'll get to in a minute, mm-hmm. it's a lot less to upload. Um, and there are plenty of free recording apps. The iPhone has a voice memos app. Uh, if your Android phone didn't come with a voice recorder, not all of them do. Hit up the Google Play Store. Again, an external microphone can help here as well. Yep. If you don't want to use your phone for whatever reason, Pocket Digital Voice Recorders are an alternative. They are not sure. all that expensive. You can find one, uh, you know, for probably 80 bucks, even less if, you know, you mm-hmm. want one that's not like super, sure. super big drive. Recording directly onto a laptop with an external microphone. USB uh, microphone. Yes, yeah. as one does with a podcast is yes, another indeed. way to capture spoken word history. Yep. And uh, you can also use free software like the cross-platform Audacity or GarageBand. Uh, for iOS uh, to edit the interviews. You know, it's funny. Go- GarageBand's a very good choice. People tend to forget that you can do that. Yeah. You know, you get a GarageBand and you think, oh, you can play around and make funny mo- noises and music and stuff. But it's a great podcast recorder. Well, they've kind of modified it a little bit, so it's not as user-friendly for podcasting, but you can still use it and, yeah. and still edit on yeah, it. Yeah, just click the voice uh, button and, and jack your mic in. So. Yeah. And I will make, if I may jump in with some recommendations. Of course, I need some recommendations. Listen. I understand that y- y- using the phone might not be the easiest thing to do with audio, but it is a great audio recorder. If you want to spend, like you said, voice memos is a great idea, but if you want to spend a couple of dollars, you buy yourself an application like Voice Recorder Pro or something like that. I think there are a couple of bucks. There's different levels, but there's a series of these type of audio recording apps that are, you know, run anywhere from $1.99 or, you know, up to 50 bucks if you want to spend. But if you want to spend a couple of dollars, it'll let you record in an uncompressed format, like ah. a WAV file and stuff like that. So your, your quality is just a little bit better than what you'd get with the voice memo. And also, you could consider getting a microphone, an external microphone from you, for your phone. And you can do what you were talking about, the lavalier mics. Yeah. You can absolutely do that. And they have some that will go directly into your Phone. I think Rode makes a version. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, again, you go, just look online. You can find them. What you want is something that's going to be an iOS compatible or an Android compatible microphone. And the thing about the clip-on mics, the lavalier mics, is that it is even more conducive to having a more a natural conversation because you don't even see the microphone at that point. So you're just, it'll be you and me and there's, you know, maybe the phone's over here on the side. Yeah. And there's not like, you're not sticking a baton in somebody's face asking them to talk into it. Right. Yeah. And then again, when you were talking about um, voice recorders, if you want to go a level above that, but not spend thousands of dollars, you can go with a zoom recorder, zoom HD, I think is the name of the company. Yeah, you've but used it's those zoom. Before. I love those. Absolutely. Tascam makes recorders and they have different tiers. So if you really want to dive in and like do with, do this in, you know, story core level, you don't, you still don't have to spend a lot of money. Uh, this is from the audio side, of course, yeah. from the audio side. And, uh, you know, you get yourself an SM 58, a sure microphone, or if you want to get really crazy, 
try to get a shotgun mic or something that's that, you know, like a video mic that you can connect to your recorder because those tend to be a little higher quality and they're very directional. Yeah. So um, you can get really high quality audio from that. But again, don't you don't have to spend thousands and thousands. Audio Technica makes inexpensive shotgun mics and stuff like that. Pro tips from Mel Kaiser. There you go. Yes. All right. So so you've got your audio, you've got your video, you've got your gear. Um, What do you do with it now? Well, uh, there's one other thing. Some people have actually started doing this before mm-hmm. the whole digital boom. Mm-hmm. You know, Grandpa talking about his World War II right. experiences into a cassette recorder. All other these legacy formats are out there, old 8-millimeter film, mm-hmm. uh, e- even older than that. So if you've got stuff in the garage, you know that, that people have been talking about the family or telling the stories right. and you've got it on legacy media – uh, there are a couple ways you can get that into your family archive. Probably the easiest way, not the cheapest, so send it out. Have a professional right. studio dub that stuff for you. Memories Renewed uh, and Lotus Media are those uh, among the ones, many companies that can do 8mm, 16mm film, VHS, high video, audio tape. Uh, if you've got a local Walgreens and Costco, they also have media transfer services. Wow, I had um, no idea. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, they're not as well known, and I don't know – if it's just sort of more of a uh, machine transfer kind of mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. but uh, it's out there. Check with your local outlet. If you still have the old video playback hardware, though, maybe somebody's got a VCR you know, stuck in the closet. Kits like the $70 Roxo Easy VHS to DVD package uh, will let you digitize it yourself. Just nice. rip that to an MP4. For old cassettes, uh, gadgets like the ClearClick cassette tape uh, to USB converter or Ions Audio's uh, Tape Express Plus Basically, it looks like a little tiny Walkman with yep. USB jack. You put that into computer, press play, record the thing onto your audio recording um, software of choice, and you digitize tape that way. So, Do you remember about 10 years ago when I would describe my, like, transfer setup? Oh, yes. You had, involved, like, you had, like, multiple cassette yes, decks yes. and patch cables. And, now it's like you just plug it into your laptop. Yeah. Man. And off you go. And off you go. All right. So, so that's if you have stuff that's pre-recorded yes. on legacy media. Mm-hmm. So once you've uh, finished and edited your reviews, uh, you can loop in the rest of the family. You've got everyone organized. Right. What do you do with all this stuff? Uh, you can post it on um, password-protected sharing sites. That's a great idea. Again, you know, you may have to pay for storage or whatever. Depends on how much you've got with your free things. But, you know, Dropbox, Google Drive, iCloud, OneDrive, all of that. It'll let you stream or download. And you just give uh, the password out to the relatives yep. who want to uh, tap into this stuff that you've done for them. And you'll be- make them very happy. Because you are the family archivist. Yes, indeed. Some genealogy sites allow media uploads to family tree pages. This varies from site to site. So if you use one of these services, check the support site to see if uh, they will handle audio and video files. Cool. Sometimes you can, like, link a little audio clip to somebody's uh, little leaf on the family tree. Mm. But there's plenty of places to put where, you know, you keep it local or you burn DVDs or of, of the yeah, stuff. Man. I mean, there's plenty of things you can do with it. So uh, this is just a, a little how-to project if you got time this holidays and you realize time is fleeting. We really want to capture all these family members, the primary history told by our elders who are mm-hmm. still with us so that generations down the road can hear them even if they never meet them. This is the time to do it. Do it now. All right. And we'll have a link to uh, an article that gives you some tips on how to do this and a few of El Kaiser's uh, hardware recommendations here. Yeah. You can find all that at poptechjam.com. And we have been rambling on and on today. I guess we yes. should probably go. Well, yeah, we should. I mean, but you know what? We've been gone for so long. There's a lot to talk about, but we should thank the bros, though. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Built by bros.com. Build something with the bros. If you think it, they will build it. <laughs>
And thank you, listeners. I know we've been a little hit or miss lately due to travel and, yeah, and conflicting and circumstances. And stuff. Yeah, life happens. Yeah. Thank you for sticking with us. We hope everyone Appreciate is having it. a uh, fine December. Yes, indeed. And until next time, when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. Yes, you are. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. All right, let's go play some esports. Yeah.